I'm I always get so salty when I go to Westie and they just don't have crispy chicken. I know. Like order more. Yeah. Sometimes I think business majors just. They're not businessy. They don't get it. They're not businessy. <laughs> what are they doing? <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know who's running Westie. So Carter, what are we talking about today? Today we were talking about <gasps> the most common drug in the United States. Drug. Drug. Drug often comes with a certain connotation. What is this drug? Well, today we're going to be talking about caffeine. Um, it is a drug classified by the FDA. Mm-hmm. I know a drug sort of comes with a negative connotation. Um, but, yeah, so first we wanted to talk about what it really is. Because although we all tend to have a lot of exposure to caffeine is pretty much everywhere there are very few people in our culture who actually know what it is it's like gluten it's like gluten what is gluten jacob do you know no clue i have seen a video one time about like what is gluten people like a guy going around asking people they did that on like saturday night live still no clue what it is nobody knows what it is it's two binding proteins inside of wheat that yeah anyway doesn't really matter um caffeine what we're talking about today it is i'm gonna present two or three things that is mm-hmm. first it's a reinforcer second it's an inhibitor and third we'll just talk about some random things that it does um but third i just wanted to say it's not traditionally addictive okay so let me dive into that first one <clears throat> what is a reinforcer so think about if you have a positive experience you could think about like psychology, how like if you condition somebody, you give them positive stimuli to like keep them doing a certain behavior, right? So like uh, the dog, what was the experiment? Uh, Pavlov's dogs. Pavlov's, yeah. Yeah. Pavlov's. So like in that case, it's similar, right? He's presenting them with a stimulus that cues a positive reaction, like or a reaction, what he wanted them to do, so positive, right? But in this case, it's completely subconscious. Biological reinforcers are so subconscious that you don't know that they're reinforcing you which is sort of sort of odd like the dogs might not have known because they're they're not quite as sharp as humans but like if pavlov were to condition you i mean dwight didn't notice but like i was gonna say yeah yeah so maybe my point doesn't stand there but either way it's completely subconscious so an example of this is actually um in nature with bees caffeine as um, hopefully you might be familiar with, and if you're not, is found in plants generally. Do you know what type of plants? Um, lots of flowering plants, really. That's that's the ones I'm thinking of at the moment because of this uh, pathway that I'm talking about, specifically bees, right? Mm-hmm. So bees visit um, flowering plants and pollinate them, right? That's their side hustle, but the real thing that they're there for is getting the nectar, right? Mm-hmm. So plants want bees to come to them and pollinate them bees want nectar out of plants therefore plants use a reinforcer in the form of caffeine in their nectar in very trace amounts to where when bees come and take the nectar out of that plant and also get the pollen which they don't really know they're gathering they aren't necessarily addicted not at all but they have a positive reinforcement pathway that happens when they consume that nectar because it has small amounts of caffeine in it. 
and they ha now have a positive association with that plant. So it's found that bees actually visit these plants significantly more than others. Can this be done uh, with like, I know you're mentioning this nature, like mm -hmm. with bees. Is this more like, can this be applicable to like me and you? Like if sure, me, it it's be. like a coffee shop? Yeah, yeah, no, the, I, I've listened to Andrew Huberman, a neuroscientist from Stanford, talk about this, and he presented the fact that you can have a positive association with a certain mug, let's say, that you drink caffeine out of regularly. You can have a uh, positive association with where you drink that caffeine or when you drink that caffeine. Like, it, it all, it all comes down to that reinforcing nature. I find that interesting because at Cardinal, one of the, the homes I work at, there's a, a resident who only drinks coffee out of a singular cup. Hmm. It's his it's his specific coffee mug. He doesn't use it for anything else. But he always asks for the Cubs mug. Hmm. It's great. There you go. So maybe that, maybe that has yeah. something to do with could it. Be just maybe like, it's like that positive reinforcement. It could be that positive reinforcement. It also could just be like habit. And I'm, I'm sure that that positive reinforcement can create habits. So it very well, like, that's a great example. Maybe he's just another bee. I another bee. Yeah, I, I personally haven't felt the effects of this uh, that I know of. Granted, it's subconscious, right? But that's that's the reinforcing nature of caffeine. Yeah, you mentioned um, inhibitor as Inhibiting, well. What was yeah. that? So caffeine is also a adenosine inhibitor, and adenosine is a neurotransmitter in your brain that cues a slowing of mitochondrial function and really basically just keeps you from producing as much energy sort of puts you to a restful state pushes you towards sleep essentially right so caffeine acting as adenosine inhibitor inhibitor just means it's not going to allow adenosine to do its job essentially so it's going to take up the receptors you could say that adenosine would be targeting to cause this like sleepy drowsiness effect and it will basically keep you awake prevent adenosine from binding there so that's that's the inhibiting nature and that's the part of caffeine that a lot of people know and love is the ability to keep them awake. awake right yeah right so definitely a pro especially definitely. as a college student oh for sure i i've long told my parents that i'm gonna save drinking caffeine in large amounts until doctoral school mm -hmm. so that has its full effect on yeah. me for the four three three four years i needed exact same mentality yeah. i'll never taste coffee until then <laughs> well so you, you could say that we're not as experienced, but then again, we've done our research. We've done our research. We may not be experienced. <laughs> if, uh, I drink tea. What's it? I'm not sure if that's the same. Either way, the last thing that I wanted to mention, not necessarily a point, but a uh, side note is that caffeine um, isn't as it may be thought to be by a lot of people I know, um, isn't traditionally addictive. What do you mean by that? Is it not traditionally addictive? Because... It's still, it's classified as a drug. Most drugs are addictive. Yeah, so I mean, like, you could think of, like, some hard drugs that are, like, extremely addictive, right? Mm -hmm. They all cue the same thing. They all cue dopamine, uh, dopamine release in the brain. Now, it's true, caffeine does cue dopamine release in the brain. But it cues it in a different pathway. So there's what I'm going to be calling for the simplicity of it, the addictive pathway. And then I'm going to call the other one the hyperstimulation pathway, right? Now, most drugs cue both, um, or stimulants cue both, right? They stimulate you, but they also addict you, right? So caffeine has a interesting and sort of unique way of cueing um, 
epinephrine, uh, acetylcholine, and um, dopamine. But dopamine is the one that we want to focus on here in a non-addictive way to where it just goes to that stimulating pathway, essentially. Mm. So it's not going to addict you the same as like harder drugs would, but it will still produce that heightened focus that also comes along with the uh, wakening effect of it. So all three of those basically work together to mm. formulate caffeine and what we know and why we love it. Yeah. But why do we love it? Why do we love it? Why do we, why does caffeine consumption become so normalized? That's a why is really it good question. That... I think that might be a little bit more cultural and I don't know. Do you have any ideas on that? Well, I do have a statistic I want to share uh, just to kind of reaffirmate what Carter was saying before though is uh, caffeine is just to kind of summarize, but caffeine is a stimulant that affects the central nervous system of our bodies. It enhances alertness, cognitive function, physical performance, and many other things. Um, but the statistic I found while doing some research was over nine in 10 Americans report consuming caffeine. Three in four of them, three out of four, so 75% of the caffeine consumers had at least one, had at least had it, had it at least once a day and then 25% of them had it three or more times a day. That's a lot. It's a scary amount because, you know, yeah. caffeine, inherently, it's not addictive. So mm. that kind of takes this idea because most people do think you can develop some sort of addiction to it. There, there could be a reliance developed, but it's not going to be quite a traditional addiction, yeah. Yeah, and so it makes you question, like, do these people that are taking it three, even sometimes more, four or five times a day know mm. about this? Mm. And so... um we just kind of established what caffeine was, but now we should talk about the reasons for consuming it okay. and why it's consumed so heavily within our population. Yeah. Um, well, first, uh, I found some data from Weber, Weber Nutrition, uh, okay. and some pros of caffeine are, I'm just going to list it in order, and then I'll list the cons as well, and then we kind of talk about those. So, pros. We briefly touched on this, but it improves overall cognitive function, mm. increases alertness, it helps you stay focused on productivity, or it also improves productivity. So for you and I, Carter, we, we're saving caffeine for when we're in doctorate school. Yeah. Because that is the goal for us. Yeah. So we're trying to increase our productivity, that intent, like the, the retention of the material that we're going to be studying. Mm -hmm. We want to learn that and improve that ability to do it productively. Um, it also aids in improving short-term well-being. So this links back to maybe the dopamine that we get from them. Okay. Interesting. Did, did they expand on that at all? <clears throat> no. no. They just, <laughs> okay. It was simply that. Um, and then in some cases, if used correctly, it improves endurance and high-intensity performance, uh -huh. which, Carter, you're uh, a long-distance runner yeah. and also somewhat of a short-distance runner. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in that middle-distance middle category that we do as much of both as we can. <laughs> How does your caffeine intake compare to the likes of like a thrower? You know, because oh. we have a friend who, oh yeah, or we have a couple friends oh, that are yeah. throwers. One of my roommates, yeah. So, um, on the team, I'm not a big caffeine consumer. I actually did um, dabble recently. I've been dabbling before workouts and before races with um, caffeine gels. Um, generally, I mean, I've seen my dad use them for like longer bike rides, and they're they're basically just uh, carbohydrate rich with a little bit of caffeine helps you feel right so that'd be good for like endurance um but for throwing goodness gracious i'm not sure if they're following science or if there's something i don't know about but some of the guys on the team are 
consuming large, 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 large amounts. I, I, I recall from research that the typical uh, grams per weight, like oh, it's like that grams yeah, so per no kilo, like one per gram kilo. per one kilo, yeah. or is it one gram per? Uh, it's, it's one to three milligrams per one uh, kilogram of body weight is a traditional like dose. And that would be like to increase alertness and focus. But if you're trying to increase physical performance and just get hyped up as heck, right? Then, well, real quick, how much would that be in a single dose for like an average person? Mm, you know, well, like, use me for example. Okay, well, I, I don't know exactly how much I'm you like, weigh. I'm like sixty kilograms, maybe, maybe sixty-three. I, I'm, I'm like, no, you'd have to be more than that. I'm sixty-seven. Mm-mm. What? You call me fat? No. Well, <laughs> do I weigh more than you? Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Dang, boy. All right. So if you weigh sixty kilos, we'll just use a round number. Then that'd be what one eighty. Yeah, I, I and that's in max. one dose. And yeah. I think the FDA sends out information saying that uh, a safe dosage per day, isn't it 400 milligrams per day? Wait, I, I have to. Are you comparing weight? Yeah. There's no way. Dude, you don't. Oh, there's no way. I yeah, I was going to say. Kgs. Okay, hold on. Yeah, I was going to say, you do not weigh 130 pounds, dude. <laughs> Bro, that was me in high school, though. That's why I haven't weighed myself really? since then. Dang. I'm probably closer to like 70. I'd say I'd say maybe like 72. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. See, I'm 67 and I'm like there's no way. There's call, no way. I can't believe way. you call me fat though. What? I can't believe you call me fat. I'm not calling you fat, dude. I'm just skinny. But so okay, let's say I'm 70 kgs. Yeah, you're 70. Kilos. I'm an average average Joe. Yeah. I'm not tall. I'm not that big. I'm yeah. a little I'm a little, a little so, chunky, but 70k um would put you at 210, 210 kgs. as your max uh, single dose for increased like alertness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I know that I, I believe the FDA sent out like 400 milligrams, 500 like, is like yeah, the max like you should take daily. So right. these throwers, oh goodness, what would you estimate? Because I know we, or I think we've both talked to mm-hmm. them, so we both have an idea, but yeah. I can't technically. I can't really recall what they said. So yeah. what what were they saying? So I mean, I'm just going off of based. I'm at these meets. I watch them uh, intake caffeine. We're talking like upwards of half a gram easily in a single dose. And they're taking two doses. Two doses. Of meat. So about a gram of caffeine. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to incriminate anyone, obviously, but um, you know who you are. Yeah. We'll see. Anyway, um, yeah, so that's that's the difference. There is a large difference. I, I'm not sure really what the threshold is, like if that really is helping their performance that much, if it's just hyping them out of their minds to where they don't like, they don't think about it, or if it's like, I don't really know. I do know that another benefit, because throwing takes a heavy toll mm. on your body. Yeah. And so caffeine is one of those things that can help like limit the pain you feel. Because really? you're, yeah. Think so about it. You're taking, on, you're taking yeah. so hyped up. You're just like, your energy levels are increased drastically. Okay. Yeah, that so makes helps sense. Some things. That could be an, yeah. another benefit. I'm sure that is definitely part of it. But um, some cons now uh, are this developing a tolerance. So we're talking about throwers taking a, mm. a gram, and so yeah, and, think of it over time. They're going to be going to these meets very regularly. Mm-hmm. They're going to be taking this a gram almost of caffeine every yeah. single time they're at a meet. What about this tolerance they develop? They're going to want to achieve this same feeling at every meet. Yeah. So they're slowly going to have to intake more and more. I'm sure, yeah. And that's what the science shows, Yeah, that you can be caffeine adapted is, I think, the term I've heard most commonly. 
And if you're caffeine adapted, then your body doesn't respond the same way as it used to to caffeine. So you're going to, it actually can um, essentially decrease the half-life of caffeine, not chemically, but just like uh, yeah, biologically. So it, it flushes it, yeah, it flushes it out of your system or essentially uses it faster. I know that's not a very scientific way of explaining that, but that's that's what the data I get the shows. Idea, yeah, and I'm sure they do. I do have one thought, because I know caffeine is a diuretic. Oh, yeah. How often are they going to the restroom? I actually, I would have to ask them about that. I haven't thought about haven't thought about that component of it personally. Because maybe a little oversharing, but mm. when I take caffeine, if, like a, if I'm studying for an exam, mm. I'll like, I use an energy drink, maybe two. Mm. I'll be going to the restroom pretty regularly just to like, because yeah. it flushes out so quickly. Yeah, no, that, that is an interesting thought. I, I would actually be interested to follow up with them on that, but I'm yeah. not sure. Regardless, regardless. <laughs> uh, another con would be sleep quality will mm. fall, like falling drastically. Especially uh, depending on when you take it. Yeah. yeah. And we'll talk about that later. Um, I think, as Carver said, it's, it's, that one's very dependent on when you take it. Because just be, if you take it in the morning, your sleep quality is not going to fall because yeah. you're not sleeping for another probably 12 hours. Yeah. You know? But if you're taking it later in the evening, mm. as often a lot of kids do. Yeah, because like that's when you, they start to feel tired. Yeah, yeah, it's when you start to feel tired and you want to stay awake for certain reasons. You know, <laughs> it can affect your your sleep quality, which can lead to, you know, um, not being not performing well the next day on something. Yeah. You can have this caffeine crash. Don't you think it's sort of an oxymoron that so many teens love staying up late, but then also expressively love sleep? No comment. But yes, <laughs> you don't want to incriminate yourself. No, I, I think I think that's such an interesting uh, double standard. Almost is that like they love staying up late, they love taking caffeine, and but then if they don't get to sleep in, they are so peeved because they love their sleep. Get to bed two hours earlier. I don't know what is Maybe. really going to happen in those two hours. That's what I'm saying. Nothing good happens after like 11 p.m. Okay, I fully disagree with that statement, but... I don't know, man. 11 p.m. is... It's really... That's midnight. early. Midnight. I'd say 2 a.m. Really? One, I'd say 1 wow. a.m. Because last year, my first mm. year, you know, some, some teenagers struggle with the fear of missing out. That's always a thing. Oh, dude. FOMO is the worst. So it's like, I personally believe that after 1 a.m., mm. I think that's the cutoff. Like, you should probably get in bed. <laughs> Personally, I go no. to bed around twelve though. Yeah, yeah, I uh, yeah, I try to make it to bed around like eleven thirty. Yeah, yeah. You don't know what you're missing out because you go to bed so early every time. I'm perfectly content. <laughs> you missed me last night. You were hey, asleep. I mean, I I don't think I need to stay up till one a.m. to. It's neither here nor there. It is neither here nor there. Um, the final con that I found is overconsumption. Mm. Uh, we talked about these throwers, but um, overconsumption is exactly that there's caffeine is classified as like an fda safe drug mm -hmm. because if you take it in the right dosages it's not like it's not harmful yeah you know it's it's something that increases your alertness mm -hmm. it's something that helps you retain information better your, it improves your short-term well-being mm -hmm. but if you're overtaking it you're developing these tolerances and you keep on taking it more and more that can lead to many things like it can lead to this insomnia like late at night, if you take it, mm -hmm. can lead to dehydration, mm -hmm. can lead to anxiety, can lead to like an increased heart rate and even migraines. Yeah, and nobody wants any of those. So, 
I mean, that that begs the question. Like you've presented these pros and cons, it begs the question: How should we be taking caffeine? Are like, are we ready to go there? Well, real quick, um, I want to first say like we we have these pros and cons that we've just presented. There's really not many reasons to not take it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's beneficial. Smartly, yeah. Yeah, let's we we'll, we'll get to how we should take it or when yeah. we should take it in a minute, but. Um, this idea of overconsumption may just be that for us, like you and me. It may yeah. just be an idea. But think of, like, children, you know? Yeah, yeah. They're a lot smaller in body weight. Yeah, and as we mentioned, it is based off body weight, those proper dosages, mm-hmm. yeah. And so this over idea of overconsumption for you and me could be a reality for mm-hmm. children. And oftentimes, I've through research, and I think just in our lives, we can see this, that the advertisements for like energy drinks, I feel like that's a very common thing. I found a, mm. a, stu- a, a data point of that energy drinks are the second most commonly sought after and used dietary supplement by young people. Mm. Think I about that. that. That's crazy. Oh yeah. You know this. This was found in a study done in 2007 as well. Oh goodness. And so that this was... was done by Martin Institute, and they found that, like, well, think about our day and time. Mm. Advertisements have increased tenfold. Yeah, especially for energy drinks. And the market is saturated now. Yeah. I think 2007, I don't know what it's Red Bull, Monster? I'm sure there were plenty, but it, I just, I don't even want to think about how many more there are now. Like, we think about all these influencers that are coming out with their own things. Like, Jocko has his own energy drink now. Uh, Logan, Paul. Logan Paul. Yeah, yeah Prime. Yeah. They have, they have the so energy. They, they kind of fly under the radar because they have the energy drink, like Prime. Yeah. And they also have, like, a hydration drink. Yeah, like, and then Gatorade's getting into energy drinks. Like, they have their energy Gatorade now. I think it's, like, uh, full throttle or something like that. I know a lot of the, a lot of cross runners like that because it's not carbonated, but, like, stuff like that. So, like, it's, they're in Celsius. Like, we see that popping up. There's so many options now. So, mm-hmm. I, I see your point. Yeah. It, as we said, kids are much smaller than adults, and it takes a lot less caffeine to reach that mm-hmm. point of overconsumption. And yet, advertisements are targeting towards them and they're a lot more susceptible oh, yeah. to reaching this point and being um, pushed to buy these products because mm-hmm. it's like, think of Red Bull. Think of all the people, the young people they hire. You mm-hmm. know, these young people often, they're doing crazy things like yeah. snowboarding, you know. They might have YouTube. Who watches YouTubers that snowboard? Oh, we also got Max Verstappen out here winning every single F1 race. Yeah, <laughs> that plays a massive role oh, yeah. in the susceptibility and like the perception that children have on energy drinks Mm -hmm. you know max verstappen they may love him he's winning all these races obvious choices to buy red bull obvious choice Mm -hmm. monsters not in formula one i don't think i'm not sure i don't think they are yeah but so i another study i just want to add on real quick you know Mm -hmm. we know children are probably the most targeted yeah um, and the most susceptible to uh the targeting that they're Mm -hmm. coming under two-thirds of Energy drink consumption is of people aged 13 to 15. And of all energy drink consumption, two-thirds of that are boys. Hmm, Furthermore, a study surveying children around ages 12 to 18 found that 73% of them intake over 100 milligrams of caffeine a day, which is typically closer to nighttime. Of course it is. Of course it is. Yeah. That's not only are they more susceptible. Like, we keep using this word susceptible. Mm-hmm. But not only are they more susceptible mm-hmm. to reaching this point of overconsumption, they don't—they aren't taking it necessarily at good times. Oh yeah, because we we mentioned in our cons that 
um, sleep quality will fall drastically depending on when oh, you yeah. take it. Because if you take caffeine close to bed, although you may not feel hyped up, it's still working in the background. It's not going to allow you to get the same deep sleep and go through this full uh, sleep stages that you're mm-hmm. supposed to. So you're affecting your sleep quality, even if you're not affecting your sleep quantity. Although many times they are affecting their sleep quantity as well. So it's a double whammy there because then what happens the next day? You wake They're up. They're tired. You're tired. What well, fixes tiredness? More energy drinks. More energy drinks. So you fall into the cycle. But how can we combat this cycle? You know? Yeah, what so are the most effective times or the effective places to be taking energy drinks or just in, like caffeine? Yeah, so there's some science behind it. Um, first off, I'm going to touch back on dosage, right? We remember we talked about one to three milligrams per kilogram body weight. For me, I'm 67 kilograms. That puts me right at 201, right? That's my max dosage for like heightened focus to get that effect out of caffeine, right? But there's also a proper time to be taking these dosages to get the best effect. Now, I'm going to go through this briefly, but there's some science saying for all those coffee drinkers in the morning who drink their coffee... 10 minutes after they get up that's not going to help you as much as if you wait a little bit longer now the science behind this your is your body fully wake up yeah so Don't, think, you're, think, think about it like this you cold. want you want to drink caffeine when you're at your peak alertness because think of caffeine as sustaining the alertness you're at right it may wake you up a little eh, debatable right but really what caffeine does is it maintains where you're at. So if you think about it like this, we remember that caffeine is an adenosine inhibitor. If you are 50% saturated with adenosine, like adenosine's already taking up 50% of the receptors and you take caffeine, you will stay at that point. Caffeine's not gonna kick adenosine out, it's just gonna keep it from soaking, or keep mm. the rain from soaking up more. Okay. So what you really wanna do is take it at peak alertness. And usually the way to do that is Wait about an hour after waking, 60 to 90 minutes if you have the patience, right? And you can wean yourself up to this. If you take your coffee five minutes after waking, try 10 minutes, try 20, work your way up to 60 over the course of two weeks, right? Mm -hmm. And by that point, taking it 60 minutes after waking will be your peak alertness, especially if you expose yourself to like some bright light, some sunlight, that helps as well. That'll help you have a better... um, long-term effect I'm like, okay yeah so in a sense let's let's use this like let's use an analogy hmm. f1 we've talked oh, about it briefly love it you're not gonna want to start the race on i don't know if this is you can correct me if i'm wrong but you're not gonna want to start the race on cold tires don't you no. want to warm up your tires first oh. before the racing oh yeah so you want to like you want to warm up your mind yeah before you take your caffeine think mm-hmm. of caffeine as this um you're not going to just want to take it in the morning it's not gonna have the same effect if yeah. you race on cold tires, you're gonna have a less, like a, a longer yeah. timer, like a, yeah. I can't think of the right terminology. So really what you're doing is you're choosing your state of performance, right? Mm-hmm. Do you want to be like, do you want to be frozen in that like morning grogginess with a little bit of stimulation going on? Or do you want to be at your peak alertness and stay there with a little bit of stimulation going on? So that that's the best way I think is relatable and can be explained that way. But um, other things that we've brought up that may be not like the ideal time of day to take it but good uses for it would be like school right like i know caffeine actually can increase recall 
So if you really want to, I know uh, some of our friends and Jacob, I think you've said you do this, like when you study, right? Um, sometimes you take caffeine. I'm not, I'm not encouraging taking caffeine at 10 p.m. to study, but... It's very scarcely that I do. Okay. You know, most of the time, I just need to go talk to some people, and then Fair I'm, I'm rejuvenated. <laughs> Fair enough. As you notice, the other night, I kept yeah. coming to you and talking to you. Fair enough. But I needed that. Yeah, yeah. And it, it worked. So, I mean, part of that might be, like, my uh, cross coach has always told me, experiment with things before race day, right? Experiment on, like, quality workouts, like our faster workouts. So, whether that be, like... <laughs> do I want to intake caffeine right before? Do I want to do it like 30 minutes before? Do I want to like do it after the warm up? Who knows? So like if you want to do these things for like school or something like that, try it when you're studying, try it some other time. Don't try it the night before. Don't try it. <laughs> Don't find... try it the day of the test. Maybe you'll find that you get like test anxiety. If you take caffeine right before a test, okay. things might happen. Yeah. Either way. You might overconsume it and get that anxiety. Exactly. But another thing is I'd find alternatives honestly as well. Mm. You know, like, if if you're in this crunch time, if you're listening, this is a very small population that I'm about to address. If you're listening to a podcast and you find that you need to study for an exam and you're like, okay, caffeine, we, we have outlined pros and cons and you're willing to take that risk. But it's the night before your exam and you haven't really experimented, as you were just mm-hmm. saying, with the caffeine. Maybe find alternatives. Find different ways to help you stay awake. Mm-hmm. And I want to I wanna emphasize one thing. Um, sleep is just as important more as studying more important more important it is more important so that's to our college audience but also to everybody else if you're feeling tired in the evening maybe take a nap take a 20 minute nap try that instead of caffeine sometime so i i would highly encourage taking caffeine in the morning hours as in before noon mm-hmm. that's a good rule that's my rule of thumb if i ever drink caffeine i'm trying to drink it before noon so that sort of addresses when you should take it in my opinion Mm-hmm. But, but how should we take it? There are some. There are so many different options mm. of caffeine. There's coffee. There's tea. There's pop or soda, mm-hmm. and there's energy drinks. And I'm sure so, there's there's so many more as well. I, I'm not listening, but I have my uh, I have my problems with some of those. I personally, coffee is great, right? Tea is even better. Now, when it comes to carbonated drinks, the only the only issue I have with carbonated drinks is the fact that carbonation um is basically it's not good for your bones yeah it's it's horrible for your teeth so and it's bad for your teeth yeah so in my mind soda eh, it's not for me but that's not because of the caffeine part if if that's your way of intaking um caffeine jacob's looking at me odd he knows i love dr pepper this man has gone on many times about his love for dr Pepper. i i do love dr pepper do not get me wrong and i splurge two weeks out of the year on Dr. Pepper, but personally, as a runner, I don't want to like risk my bone health. Either way, that's besides the point. Neither here nor there. But what I want to emphasize is, again, experiment. Take your caffeine in a way that is best for you. Be aware of how you feel. Try different things because I know some people that just get in a groove of drinking coffee, right, mm-hmm. or get in a groove of drinking energy drinks. It's no but longer, they, oh. But they don't think about how they feel afterwards. I, I talk to the same people, and they're like, dude, I'm always so anxious after I drink it. Well, then try another method. Tea, for example, a little bit subtler mm-hmm. in my mind. It's like they're just doing it to do it. Exactly. It's not, there's no, there's no 
preconceived like thought no about intentionality it. There's no It's just something they're doing it because it's pushed by other people mm-hmm. in society. It's caffeine intake is such a common thing. Yeah. But you have to figure out what your method of caffeine intake mm-hmm. should be. We're not the key point of this whole podcast is not to scare you off or push you towards caffeine. It's to make you more aware mm-hmm. of how you're intaking it, when you're intaking it. And um, I, I, I believe that you should be able to reflect on yourself and figure that out. You know, experiment, try different yeah. methods. We, all, we, we just want to make it your choice instead of culture's choice. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So. All right. I think that brings us to a close. If you don't already follow us at the Frontal Lobe Podcast on Instagram, um, feel free to go over there, follow us, drop us a like, and DM us with any topic ideas that you have or you would like to hear about. Yeah. Uh, Carter and I often toil with the idea of trying to find potential topics. And so we just want to start tailoring our episodes to what you guys want to hear. Um, but on that note, you want to say thank you. And have a good rest of your day. <laughs>